So we'll let the young people be dismissed. Uh, I'll just make a few quick announcements. First of all, good morning. Welcome. Good to have you with us today. And uh, just as far as just a few brief announcements, let me just remind you, um, there are some giving statements back. Right? And so the love and, and where we're leading to this morning is that love is long suffering. So I can be as mean as I want and you have to put up with me because you have to love me. That is not what, what Paul's teaching about. And we will talk about that. So first Corinthians, uh, let's uh, look at the end of chapter 12, but we're going to go through 13 verse four. So 1 Corinthians, we're in a series on love, and uh, we kind of introduced this a couple weeks ago. I'll briefly review, but we do want to kind of keep moving along in this chapter. Uh, love is a choice. Love is a choice is what we're looking at. So 1 Corinthians 12, notice verse 31. This is the end of chapter 12. He says this. Paul says, now eager, eagerly desire." The greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Notice what the most excellent way is. He writes an entire chapter, really the most comprehensive chapter that there is on love. Paul writes, chapter 13, he says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Listen to what he says here. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and I and, and have all knowledge, and if I have a faith that could move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship, That I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And notice what he says here, love is patient. Some versions will say that love is is long-suffering. That's what patience is. He says, love is patient. We'll probably only have time to look at that one here in just a moment. But then he says, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Paul speaks to the Corinthian church about the most excellent way, and that is love. He says in this chapter, he says, listen, he says, church of the Corinthians, he says, listen, you're very gifted, you're very talented. He says, and may I say to you, he says, you can, he says, you may have these gifts that they were arguing and fighting over the gifts of tongues and all of these things. And he says, who cares that if you can speak in the tongues of even angelic beings, but you don't have love, he says, then it's pointless. You can have all knowledge, all Bible knowledge, and you can have prophecy, and you could know the beginning from the end, and you can know from the A to the Z, if you will, he says, but if you don't have love, you're lacking. And so he says in this chapter as we already studied he ends the chapter by saying there's faith he says you can have the faith to move mountains but if you don't have love then it's pointless he says you have faith you have hope and you have charity and he says say it with me church he says but the greatest of these is love love 
this chapter shows us what love really looks like. In fact, love will do some things. It will compel you to do things, but also love will keep you from doing things. As we continue through this series, I want you to understand that sometimes love is not what we think love looks like. We live in a world that has no clue what love really is. In fact, the Bible says this is that in the end times, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, that our love for one another, that the love, it says this, Jesus said the love of many, of many will wax cold. And so we see that even in our culture, most people don't even understand, came and grasp what true love really is. And as we study this, we're finding that love is not just a feeling. It's not just a warm fuzzy, Okay. But love is much deeper than that. It's much greater than that. And so our goal is, as we study this passage and as we look at what what Christ taught us about love and what Paul is teaching us about love is, our goal is to demonstrate this kind of love to one another. And so understand that this agape love that we've already began to study and that we're going to continue to study is active. It is not abstract. That love is action. God loved the world. And so what did he do? He demonstrated that love and he gave his one and only son. Jesus Christ loved the world. And what did he do? It was active. He demonstrated that love by laying down his life for us. And so this type of love that God calls us to is not just active, but it is also a command. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you what have love one toward another. And so we have to demonstrate the love of Christ. Now, as we've already said that there's different words for love, we won't take time to look at them, but understand the love that we're talking about today is not just, I love pizza, all right? Although I do love pizza. I love ice cream. I do love ice cream. But I'm not going to die for it. Well, you know. Depends on the day, right? But we understand what we mean by that. We'll say, I love, you know, I love sports, or I love, I love this, or I love, this love is the Christ-like love, the love being willing to lay down your life. The Bible says it like this, no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends, amen? You see, love moves us to action. It's active. But this love that, that he's speaking of is a command for followers of Christ. That love is demonstrated. Love is lived out. It's not just a, a word that we say, oh, I love you. Oh, no, it's far deeper than that. Now, understand, Paul says here, And we're just briefly going to look at this. In the first few verses, he says things like this. If I could speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, he says, I'm just just making a racket and making a bunch of noise. 
He said, I can have the gift of prophecy. I could understand all mysteries, but if I don't have, have love, then it's pointless. He says, you can have the faith to move mountains, but you don't have love. He says, it's nothing. You could give all you possess to the poor and surrender my bodies to the flames, but if I don't have love, I gain nothing. You see, you have to understand that Paul is speaking to this church and And as we get ready to really look at what love really looks like, he says, listen, you can be doing things with the wrong motives. The church that he was dealing with here, this Corinthian church, the fact of the matter was what was happening was this, is that they were trying to put on a good show. They could speak in tongues and they had gifts and all of these things. And he says, you can do all that. He says, but but what's your motivation? What's your motivation? Why are you doing it? And what we can understand is this, is that sometimes even within churches and within the family of God, that sometimes we do things for the wrong reasons and we do things not motivated by love, but we're doing it to make ourselves look good. He says, you can give everything that you have. You can give all that you possess to help the poor, but if you're doing it to make yourself look good and not out of a true, genuine love and compassion, then he says, it's worth nothing. It's good for nothing. So understand this, Paul is saying, what we do is important, but why we do what we do is even far more important. Does this make sense? Why do we do what we do? Are we motivated by compassion Or are you motivated because of love or is it just to try to look good? And so Paul says, understand love is the more excellent way. It is the key. And then he begins, as we look at this chapter, he begins to give us a list of things that love does and does not do. You see, agape love or this Christ-like love will compel us to do some things that maybe even are difficult. At the same time, love will sometimes keep us or restrain us or keep us from doing certain things that maybe we shouldn't do. And so there's kind of a long list here, but I want to focus in on just a few moments this morning because what does love really look like? I love you. Lots of people will get up and stand in front of a church or stand before a pastor or a priest or a bishop or an elder or someone and they'll exchange vows and they'll exchange rings. And I mean, and it's, and many times it's gonna, it will be beautiful. I've had the privilege over the years of doing lots of weddings and, you know, and seeing lots of people married. I've done them on literally on the top of a mountain this past summer, way up on a mountain in Carolina. It was beautiful looking out over. My niece had a, a wedding uh, there. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. But two people come together and say, I love you. And I'm, I want to be joined together in marriage. But let's be honest, many marriages don't last. You know, one time I did a, I did a wedding in a, I, did a, I, I literally did vows in a hot air balloon one time. We started out at this church. 
never forget it. We started out this church and, you know, and we, we started there and all the people were there. And then there was a destination that we we're supposed to get to. And I remember some people were running late. And the guy who was running the hot air balloon, he says, the, the breeze is picking up. We really got to get this thing going. And so I was like, do you want them? Do you want them? Yes, yes. Okay, let's get in the balloon. We got in a balloon, and there was a videographer. There was the, you know, whatever you call the pilot, you know. And then there was myself and the bride and the groom. And so we, we, we it's in Columbia, Missouri. We, out in the country, we go up in the balloon, and he's videoing it. And we're kind of going through the vowels, and you get the wind. And he even said to me, he whispers me, we shouldn't really be up here. And the wind just picks up. And I said, where are we going to go? Where are we going to end up? Wherever the wind takes us. <laughs> and I was like, oh, boy. And so I remember we exchanged the vows and they kissed and stuff. And he's like, all right, time to put it down. And I'll never forget this. I mean, we put it down. We do his highway 63 and 70. He literally found a way to put that balloon down in the median, in the middle because that's where that was where he could put that thing down. And when we hit, we rolled and bumped and I remember the bride's dress was up over the top of my head. And I was like, "Where are we?" And we were bouncing and rolling and and we came out of that thing and and pe- and, and they were like and he, I mean, people were like, "Why did you land this thing here?" You know, all the cars on the highway pulled over to watch it. It was hilarious. We survived. There's a few bumps and bruises. And I thought, I hope this isn't a symbolic message of what this marriage is going to look like. It's going to be a wreck, you know. (laughs) As far as I know, I think they're still married. I think. I don't know. But, you know, people exchange vows. People say, I love you. People, you know, will exchange a ring or what have you. But the fact of the matter is, what does love really look like? It's interesting because the very first thing that Paul says about love is he says that love is patient. What does the word patient mean? It means not quick to get angry or to take offense. Isn't that interesting? He says, in essence, love suffers long. Why does Paul say this? Why does he say the very first demonstration of what love is is that we're going to put up with each other? Amen. That's really what he's saying. You know why? Because Paul understood that that people are not perfect. And he understood human nature. And he understood what what God was saying is, in essence, that, that if you are to love someone, to demonstrate that love means that you're going to have to tolerate their imperfections and tolerate their their quirks. Tolerate the things that would drive most other people crazy, but because you love that person, you can put up with it. Are you with me? Like, for example, I'm a rock kicker. You say, what in the world is a rock kicker? I'm the guy that when I pull in my driveway, if there's rocks out of place, I have to go over and kick them back in, you know, and kick them. And I'll go for a walk with my wife and there'll be rocks. People, people, I can't believe they accept this. They'll allow those little rocks onto their sidewalk. Who would do that? 
And as soon as I'm walking, my wife was saying, stop kicking the rock. And I'll kick the little rock. And she's like, don't do it. Don't do it. And I'll kick the rock. She has to put up with that. I can't walk in a straight line. We'll be walking and I'll see that someone's rock over there. And I'll be like, and I, I kick it back up in there for him. I'm doing him a favor, you know. I'm the guy in the car that if I drop an M&M or a peanut M&M, that I will roll the car down the highway and cause a 42-pile pileup because I got to get that one that's rolling around. My wife will sit in the car on purpose and she'll eat something and she'll take the little wrapper and she'll roll it up and she'll just throw it there and just watch as I'm driving. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. You're like, no, this guy's crazy. Like, and I'm driving and I'm looking at it. And it's like, i got to pick it up. i got to find it, put it in the trash or put it in the back somewhere. She wants to see how long. You see, that's not love. That's, that's antagonism. That's not love. Because love is kind. And if you're kind, you're not going to do that to someone crazy like me. Right? But love is patient. The Bible says in Peter, Peter said this, it says that, that Christ, it says of, of the Lord, that he is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that what? All should come to repentance. One of the things that we realize is that Christ and God is long suffering to us. And because he loves us, he puts up with us. And because he loves us, he's patient with us. How many of you are thankful for that? Amen. You know, there, if you were to, we won't take time, but if you were to read 2 Peter chapter 3, that chapter, it says this, that they begin to mock God. It says in the last days that they say, where is the coming of the Lord? The Bible says that he will come again. Where is the coming of the Lord? And he says he's going to come back, but he hasn't come back. And yet towards the end of that chapter, it says this, it's because he is long suffering. It's because he's long-suffering and because God is love. Think about this. God is love. And what is one of the demonstrations of love? To be patient and long-suffering. And because God is long-suffering, he is holding out and he is waiting for more to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And some may say, and even many a believer may say, why hasn't Christ come back? Why has he allowed things to get so bad? It is because God is love and he's waiting just a little bit longer for more to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But may I say to you, there will be a time where his, his, the time will come. But he is long-suffering. And he is patient. The Bible tells us as followers of Christ, he says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. And one way we demonstrate that love is to be patient with each other. To be long-suffering with one another. You see, Paul reminds us here that we are not perfect We have our quirks. We have our flaws. (laughs) That there are going to be times that we will be offended. 
People will offend us. People will hurt us. The word patient means not quick to get angry or to take offense. Understand this. You ready? Don't don't be in shock. Hang on now. Red Hills is not a perfect church. (gasps) Right? You are not perfect. (gasps) You hurt my feelings, Pastor Joe. You're not perfect. Your husband, your wife, your parents, your child, definitely your teenager is not perfect. <laughs> Far from it. Oh, man, teenagers. Oh. <laughs> that seven-year tribulation period, you know, from 12 to 19, 20, that seven-year whatever, that tribulation period, yeah. Teenagers are not perfect. Parents are not perfect. Your husband, your wife is not perfect. In fact, they're going to hurt you. They're going to offend you. This church is not perfect. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect members. There is no perfect pastor, right? Not not going to happen. And so we have to demonstrate love by putting up with each other. By forbearing, by being long-suffering. Christ was long-suffering and is long-suffering to us and is patient with us. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. There's a passage here that says this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Listen to what he says, be patient. Paul says to this church at Ephesians, he says, Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. What does it mean to bear with one another? To put up with one another. Amen? When the world sees us as followers of Christ, how does it know if we're a true follower of Christ? How do people know if we're a true follower of Christ? Jesus said, by the way that you what? Love, the way we love. Love is what? It's patient. Are we patient? Are we patient? Love will cause us to to be long-suffering, to suffer long. Love will cause us to, to put up with a lot. This morning when I came in, one of the, the ladies in the back, she said, here, let me shake your hand with the other hand because my hand's sore. My cat bit me. And I said, you must really love that cat. It's still alive, you know. <laughs> oh, I love my cat. I love it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That cat better be thankful that you're patient and loving and kind and long-suffering. You know, (laughs) love will cause you to put up with a lot. Amen? It will. I'll just maybe share a brief testimony. 
God is definitely working in my life in this area. And I believe in our family's life. We had the privilege a little over five years ago to adopt a little precious little baby boy, Micaiah Jude. By the way, he's the cutest little thing. You guys see him running around. As soon as church will be over, he'll be up here up front, up on the platform most likely. And he'll be trying to look at all the, the letters and the words. And so we knew this God wants us to adopt this baby. And we flew to New Orleans and that's where we went. And we went and adopted this precious little baby boy. And that's who God called us to adopt. And that's who, and we love him. He is ours. He is ours. He is our son and our kid's little brother. But he has autism. Which means that he can be a challenge. He sees things differently. He learns differently. He, you know, what many would say delayed in a lot of things, but his mind just works differently. He sometimes struggles with communication, still trying to learn how to communicate and talk. And so that brings frustration. And, you know, and there's times, even this morning, there's times he gets upset. He'll hit you, he'll kick you, he'll. He'll throw things at you, you know, and he's getting better. But man, there's times it's like, wow. But you want to know something? Because you love him, love is patient. Love is long-suffering. Love is kind. And sometimes it's not easy when you're getting kicked. Are you with me? To just hug them. When they're trying to literally, and he's done it, pull handfuls of hair. Not my hair. (laughs) That's where it all went. We found the reason. I knew you were thinking I had to say it, you know. Yes, five years ago I had a full head of hair. But my wife, my daughters, there's times just handfuls. But we still love him. And because you love him, you put up with it. And you work through it. A few years back, as we're going through this, two, three years ago, met a guy. He was a fundraising guy. Hopefully he doesn't watch this video. And he goes, I don't, he's like, and he, and he knew I was a coach and we'd go to lunch sometimes and he did lots of fundraising for all the sports teams. He goes, I don't know how you do it. He goes, my wife and I, we, we you know, we, we got this little boy, we adopted him. We adopted this little boy and man, he had so many problems, so many issues, but he had autism and, and he was crazy and he was wild and he was hyperactive and I mean, and, and he said, he goes, and after like a year or two, he said, we just couldn't do it. We had to just take him back. In the same breath, he said to me, we really loved him, but. Now, I kept my mouth shut, but I wanted to say, you don't know what love is. 
And please forgive me here, but can I just say, you just added a tremendous amount of trauma into that young boy's life to tell someone that you love them and then say, well, we're given and we're given. Listen, folks, it's not a puppy. It's a child. It broke my heart for him to say in this conversation, we loved him, we really loved him, but. No, love, Paul says in verse 8 of this chapter, love never fails. Love never fails. Sometimes love is not what we think it looks like. I'm almost done, but listen. Sometimes love is challenging because love is a choice. Love is a choice. So that means that sometimes we have to choose to be patient because we love someone. We have to choose to be long-suffering. And sometimes the most difficult things is to love people when they're unlovely or to love people who are difficult. But we're called and commanded to love the way that Christ loved. Amen? In the way he loves us. That is how all men will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Because we choose to love even when sometimes they are not easy to love. And so the next week we will pick up with this, that love is kind. And I'll just kind of just mention this because I want us to understand the context. I think it's interesting. He says love is patient, it's long-suffering, but love is, and we'll spend time on this next week, but love is kind. What does love look like? Love is kind. I think it's important because what Paul does is there's a sequence here, and what he's saying is this. Love is long-suffering. Love is patient. But at the same time, it's not a license to treat people any way we want to treat people. Are you with me? Because love is also kind. And this is what I've seen many times people say is this. Is sometimes, just forgive me here, but a husband. I'll blame the husband. It's usually the husband's fault anyway. It's just the facts. But the husband's just a jerk. He's just a jerk. And he's like, well, she's supposed to love me. She's supposed to be patient and put up with me. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not supposed to be a jerk either. You're supposed to be kind. Love is kind. And so understand, just because we're called to to be long-suffering with one another, church, it doesn't mean that it gives us the license to be unkind or rude or to treat people In an unkind way. Are you with me? So what does love look like? The very first thing Paul says is this. Love is patient. Love is long-suffering. Do you see why this whole theme, the whole title of this chapter as we're looking through this, is this, is what? Love is a what? Love is a choice. Love is a choice. It's not just a warm fuzzy. We don't just love when it's convenient to love. Aren't you thankful that God didn't just love us when, it, when, when, we're, when we're convenient to love? The Bible says this, that while we were sinners, what did Christ do? He still died 
for us. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that God is long-suffering with us? Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ was long-suffering and he was patient And so this is the way that we demonstrate love. Some people might say, well, I don't know why you're spending so much time on this series and why you're spending so much time on this, Pastor Joe, and why is it so important? Oh, can I just tell you, if we just grasp this chapter and if we as God's people would just love the way we're called to love, wow, I think revival would break out, not just at Red Hills, in this whole community. I mean, it's the truth. It really is. When you're at the checkout line, are you patient? Are you long-suffering? Or are you chewing someone out? Letting them have it? Mm-hmm, come on now. Right? When you get stuck behind someone at the light, and they're sitting there playing on their phone, and you have to sit through the light, are you patient? Oh, it's getting, Pastor, you're getting, now you're really stepping on toes. You close your Bible, it's supposed to be over. Quit preaching now. You're meddling. <laughs> I'm just doing what the Spirit leads. Amen. When our wives say, We'll be out in just a second, we'll be out in just a second, and we're sitting in the car. Ah! Ah! And the neighbors are looking. Ah! Come on now. Love is patient. But hey, ladies, when you get in the car, be kind after we beep the horn at you, okay? (laughs) Listen to me. Love, this whole love thing, it's practical, not mystical. Amen? It's just everyday living. And so this week, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged to love the way Christ loved. And I promise you, you're going to be challenged on this area of being patient, being long-suffering. So let's be reminded what love, what does love look like? The first thing Paul says, love says it is patient. It's long-suffering. In the days and weeks to come, you're going to have to be patient and long-suffering because Pastor Joe is not perfect. Amen? It's the facts. Amen? Yeah, one person really knows it. You hear him back? Amen! I already hacked that one off somewhere along the way. But it's true. Here's the thing. If I really knew what you guys were like, right? You know, like if you knew what I was like, you wouldn't come and listen to me. But if I really knew what you guys were like, I wouldn't even waste my time. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's the truth. But love forbears one another. Love chooses to be patient. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Lord, we